Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearkchurch.com or download our app available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. We've been talking about the difference that Christianity makes, and if you're maybe not familiar with Christianity or been raised in a church that maybe tended to be more legalistic. Sometimes people think there is no advantage, but there is. And uh, one of the huge advantages of being a believer is not just heaven when we die, although that's massive, but it's the idea that God can help us navigate some of the tougher places down here on earth. I love what Joy shared this morning about make God can make something even beautiful that's difficult. But there are things in life that really wear us down. And he can help us navigate those. I'm just thinking right off the bat, fear. Everybody knows fear is something that can just wear down people from, a, from just a, a mild dread to a, just a full-blown panic or phobia. Fear can wear you down in life. Another one is resentment. People carry resentment. You can't go through this life very long without having somebody do something to you. And then how we handle that. And if you... Boy, you, you build up resentment in your heart. It, it's it's, it's not really not good. There was a motorcycle uh, officer who had to be rushed to the hospital for an emergency appendectomy. And after the surgery, the doctors told him everything had, uh, had worked out just fine. But he's lying there and he's very uncomfortable because he kept feeling that there was something pulling on the hairs of his chest. And he just he, he started thinking, oh, my gosh, maybe they did another surgery on me. They didn't tell me. And so as he's lying there, he's thinking about that. Finally, he gets the courage to lift his hospital gown. And right across his very hairy chest were three wide strips of adhesive tape, the kind that doesn't come off easily. And there was, with a black sharpie, someone had written a message on the tape, said, get well soon from the nurse you gave a ticket to last week. Resentment's a tough thing. <laughs> and and then, there's, then there's guilt and, and regret. Oh, and so many people carry guilt and regret. And I'm telling you guys, it is a tool of the enemy. He will beat you up with it. I was, uh, Joy and I, were, we were happened to be in Branson, Missouri a number of years ago. And we were staying in a place that overlooked a lake, and a Table Rock Lake, pretty lake up there. And I was watching some, some people water skiing, and they were going by in the boat. And all of a sudden, yeah, I'm just out there drinking coffee, having a great morning. And all of a sudden, this thought hit me. You never took your children water ski. You never took them on a boat. And I started thinking about all the things I didn't do for my kids when they were growing up. And it ruined a perfectly good morning. Because if you go down that path, the enemy will help you. You're thinking, oh, man, I, I didn't do this. And he'll say, oh, that's not all. Don't forget this, this, and this that you didn't do. So here I'm having a horrible morning, and I come in, man, I'm disturbed. Now I look at Joy, and I said, you know, I, I never took the children water skiing. And she's like, what? <laughs> but really, is that, the, is that the biggest thing? For all you parents who bring your children to church, good for you. Good for you. Because I didn't take them water skiing, but I took them to church. And every one of them is saved now. Yeah. And, and when it's all said and done, that's the greatest thing we can ever do. Right 
Sarah, are you blowing your horn as the father? No, I'm married to Joy. You figured out who's the, who's the, the good one in this family, but we're appreciative of the grace of God. But what I'm saying is guilt and regret can absolutely wear you down. But thank God there is help with God. If you're living in fear, and I don't care what kind of it's mild or it's major, I got good news for you. It's never been the plan of God for you to live in fear, ever. And so that fear, I'm going to tell you something, if you'll continue to walk with him, the greater your faith goes with him, the, 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 the less fear has a, a, a foothold in your life. And you can get to the place where, man, you just, you're, just, you're not living in fear. What a wonderful place. Resentment, you can learn to eliminate resentment in your life or you just keep a clear heart about everybody. And there is help for the guilt and the regret because there is forgiveness with God for our sins and mistakes. This morning I want to talk about that we're people of another chance. In Psalms, the 130, it says, Oh Lord, if you should mark iniquities, oh Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. If you should mark iniquities, the idea there is that if the Lord was keeping record, and oftentimes people think, when they think about God, they think he's this stern-faced stern -faced God with a long white beard who's sitting on the throne, but he's watching what you're doing with a disapproving glance like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he's keeping the records. But the Bible said if, if the Lord did keep record, who could stand? You're, there's people, people who talk about, you know, I, you know I, what I've done. and I, I know God can never forgive me. No, no, no. There's forgiveness with God. We, we've got a good God. Listen, people may not forgive you, but God can forgive you of all your sins and all your mistakes. There's a lady by the name of Marjorie Holmes. She's an author, and she said she was having a, this number of years ago, she said she was just having a, a difficult day. You know, ever have one of those days where it seemed like all your past failures come back to visit you? And she was sitting there, and she said, she's kind of all the past failures, and she went to the mail, she got a, she got a letter from a friend. Obviously, this had to be years ago. Who, who sends letters anymore? And so she gets a letter, and she's reading a letter from a friend of hers who was talking about how this friend took her granddaughter to an air show. And at the air show, there was a plane writing uh, messages in the sky. You ever seen that with do sky writing, where they write those messages? And she said her granddaughter was just fascinated by it, watching as they, as they wrote out a message in the sky, but then became disturbed because the letters disappeared. And the little girl, you know, you know how little minds think, she watched it for a little bit. And then she looked at her grandmother, she said, maybe Jesus has an eraser. Now that's kind of a cute story, but that's actually a profound truth because he does have an eraser and it's called the cross and it has the ability to wipe out anything that we have ever done. People of another chance. There's a, um, two men in the Bible that are both well known, one for good, one for bad. And uh, well, one for being a bold personality. His name's Peter. And uh, he's a bold personality. He, you know, it seemed like he's the guy always putting his foot in his mouth. We can, I can relate to Peter. Uh, and then there's Judas. And Judas is obviously the enemy of the Bible. He's the one that portrayed Jesus. He's the one no one ever names their children after. And Judas, but I, I call this one a tale of two men. Judas was a thief. 
He, he actually kept the money bag for the ministry and stole what was put in it. And somewhere along the lines, Judas got crosswise with Jesus. I don't know what it was, but something bothered him about Jesus and something entered. He began to think about he was going to separate from Jesus, but he was going to run a scam. He was going to go to the chief priest and the, and the rulers, and he was going to tell them, hey, you're, I know you're looking for an opportunity to, to capture Jesus and arrest him, but not around all the people because there have been an uproar. So I'll give you that opportunity. I'll, I'll lead you to him. He said, but I'm going to do it for money. So he's going 30 pieces of silver, which evidently was a chunk of change. And Judas did it. And you know the story how Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane right before the cross and he's praying and here comes Judas with a whole bunch of people. And Judas actually comes up and gives Jesus a kiss and betrays him. And everyone thinks, oh, Judas, you're a horrible person. Well, yeah, he did the wrong thing. But if you really think about it, Judas was really running a scam on the Pharisees because Judas had watched Jesus get out of every situation he'd ever gotten in. Pharisees tried to pin him down with his words. Jesus shut them all down. Sadducees tried. Jesus shut them down. They tried to throw him off the, the, the hill that the city was built on, and Jesus walked straight through the middle of them. They could not ever catch him. And so Judas thinks, hey, I'm going to sell Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. He's going to get out of it. I'm going to walk away, but at least I'll walk away with some money. But then he saw Jesus get arrested and then condemned to die. And it hit Judas. Matthew tells us what happened. Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, was remorseful and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, what's that to us? You see to it. Then he threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. He was remorseful. When Judas saw that Jesus was being arrested and condemned to die, Judas wasn't like, oh, your problem. It hurt him. He never expected that. He never thought it was going to turn out that way. And so now he feels horrible. He feels bad. And he goes to the chief priest and he tells him, I've sinned. He acknowledged his sin. He said, I've sinned. I have betrayed innocent blood. I have sinned. And he tried to make it right, but he tried to make it right with the wrong people. And he gave them, he took the 30 people. They basically looked at him and said, dude, that's your problem. That's on you. You, you, you. you worry about it. And he took 30 pieces of silver and he threw it in the temple. But then Judas went and hung himself. Judas came to the wrong conclusion. Judas thought, I've just betrayed Jesus. He's going to die. It's hopeless for me. But he was wrong. If he'd have just waited three days, Jesus would have come back from the dead. And how many of you know Jesus would have forgiven Judas for betraying him? He just took the sins of the world. He's not going to look at Judas and go, you can never be forgiven. Jesus would have forgiven him. But he never gave Jesus a chance. He went and hung himself. Next week, we're offering a class on suicide prevention. On suicide. But let me tell you something. If, if you're entertaining that idea, if you're keeping that idea in your mind, maybe that's an answer, maybe that's an answer. You're coming to the wrong conclusion. Just give it a little bit of time. Just give it a few days. Listen, 
Jesus raised from the dead, he can resurrect your situation. It is not hopeless. It's not hopeless. If you need help, we have counselors, but God's plan for you is not that you harm yourself and take your own life. Peter, Peter messed up too. Now, Peter was pretty bold. Peter was the guy who was, he was with Jesus on the, on the mountain. Jesus was transfigured. He saw Moses and Elijah. And Peter was the one that walked on the water. And Peter was the one who saw some of the great miracles. And Peter was the one who had a revelation that Jesus was the Christ, the son of the living God. And on the last supper, Jesus looked at his disciples. He said, all, he said, all of you are going to be offended tonight because of me. You're going to stumble. He said, and he quoted the scripture, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But Peter spoke up. He said, oh no, Lord. If all these other dudes mess up, I will never be offended. Dudes, it's not, it's not a biblical word. I've just added that. Is it? He said, no, Lord. He said, I would never be. And, and, and then he said, and they all said too, Jesus, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. Jesus said, before the rooster finishes crowing, you're going to deny me three times. They're like, oh no. And all the other disciples are like, oh no. We will die with you. So here's Peter comparing himself with everybody else, then declaring he will never do it. But then when the pressure was on, he folded up like a cheap lawn chair. Let's look at here. <laughs> Peter sat outside in the courtyard and a servant girl came to him and said, you also were with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied it before them all saying, I do not know what you're saying. And when he'd gone out to the gateway, saw another girl saw him and said to those who were there, this fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. But again, he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. And a little later, those who stood by came, by, came up and said to Peter, surely you also are one of them for your speech betrays you. Then he began to curse and to swear, saying, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. Peter remembered the word of Jesus who had said to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Now he denied Jesus at probably Jesus' most vulnerable time in his life. Here's Jesus, he's, he's being just attacked on all sides and they're saying all kinds of unkind things to him and they're mocking him and saying words and Jesus is standing there and at the most vulnerable time, Peter's not just kind of ignoring Jesus, he's denying he ever knew him. I don't know him. Someone said, yeah, weren't you with him? No, I don't, I don't know him. He began to swear, I swear, I don't know him. Finally, someone the third time, and he started to cuss. I don't know what he said, but he's cursing and swearing. I do not know the man. And the rooster crowed. And Luke tells us that Jesus looked at Peter, and Peter looked at Jesus. And don't you know that was an awful thought? You know, when Jesus could have used a friend, have you ever noticed that sometimes you, you, just, you need a friendly face in the crowd? Trust me, people, I preach. I know what a friendly face in the crowd looks like. I have friendly faces, and I have some of you look at me like I grew a third eye right in the middle of a message. I tell people, I don't even look at joy anymore when I preach. I developed a habit. First time I ever preached, Joy sat in the front row with this look on her face the whole time. So you know what a friendly look. Wouldn't it have been good if Jesus is getting all this flack and he could have looked up and Peter was there. But Peter's denying him. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. Boy, you, you know what the bitter weep is. 
That's what we call the ugly cry. You you just, you feel so bad. Two men did wrong. But one man gave Jesus another chance. Three days later, when Jesus raised from the dead, aren't you glad we have a Savior who's alive from the dead? When Jesus, when Jesus raised from the dead, the women, Mary and, and the other Mary, went to the tomb, and the stone was rolled away, and there was an angel sitting there. He said, don't be alarmed. You see Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He is risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him, but go tell his disciples and Peter that he's going before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he said to you. Now this came from Mark. Mark, the book of Mark is from Peter's perspective. Mark and Peter were actually close and, and Peter was the one who, who told Mark what happened. And Peter told Mark this. He said, you, you got to hear this, Mark, because when the angel gave the message, he said, go tell his disciples and Peter. Why, why and Peter? Because Peter, because he just failed Jesus so desperately bad. He probably felt like, I don't deserve to be a disciple anymore. I'm not a disciple. And Peter felt so despondent. That's why the angel said, you tell his disciples. And Peter could have said, well, that's not me. He said, and Peter, which meant even though you just messed up, Peter, you got a God who's going to give you another chance. And Peter. And we know what happened to Peter. Came one of the greatest leaders of the church. He's a God who gives another chance. Why do you keep saying another chance, Alan? Because some of us blew through our second chance a long time ago. So we need another chance and another chance and another chance. He's the God of another chance. So the difference in Christianity, what does it make? We are forgiven people. We are people of another chance. Here's how we live that out. This one is real important. Don't overestimate your errors and sins and underestimate God's mercy. You hear people talk about, ah, what I did, what I did, what I did. Okay, I got it, what you did. But you want to talk about God's mercy being bigger than that? Because God's mercy is bigger than what you've done. People say, I have a hard time believing. Well, listen, this is where we have to believe what God says about himself. And Lamentations is one of a, it's a great verse. You know that this I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. You ever heard people say this? Oh, you better watch it. God will get you. Listen, if God wanted, there's a lot of us in here that if God wanted to get us, we'd have been got a long, long time ago. And so it's his mercies, not because we're so good, not because we're so special. It's because he's so merciful. You say, well, I don't deserve mercy. Well, if you deserved it, it wouldn't be mercy. And his mercies, he said, and his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Every morning, there's a whole load of, you, you hear a sound outside, you're drinking coffee and you hear beep, beep, beep. You look up, there's a whole nother dump load of mercy and compassion coming your way. Thank you, Lord. It's new every morning and the next morning and the next morning and the next morning. His compassions fail not. God never runs out. He never looks at you and goes, oh, I'm done with you. You are you, that's it. New Every morning, great is your faithfulness. He said, this I call to mind. This is what I think about. 
God's thinking about your mistakes and errors and all the stuff you've missed and all your sins is not helping you. Your thoughts will either lift you or lower you. So begin to think about his mercy. Thank you, Lord, you are merciful and you are good. Second thing is, receive God's forgiveness. Real simple, but receive God's forgiveness. I have a favorite verse. It's a verse I've, I've lived with for over 42 years. It's 1 John 1, 9. I don't even look, I need to look, I know this one. <laughs> if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He is faithful and just to forgive us. Listen, when you acknowledge and confess and say, Lord, I, I, I'm sorry, I missed it. I, I, oh, I'm sorry, Lord, I, I've sinned. My heart convicts me. I am sorry, Lord. That's when you get rid of it. That's not when God finds out about it. That's when, we, that's when he forgives us. And then we don't get born again, 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 and again. We just simply get cleansed from all unrighteousness. Matthew, who is our adventuresome child, when he was, when he was younger, man, he loved to play in the woods, in the ditches, in the sewers. That brother could get dirty. I mean, he just, and so we're, we're sitting there eating, we're eating one day. And uh, it's dinner time. We called him. We couldn't reach him. So we're sitting down to eat, and all of a sudden he pops up. Scared us because he popped up right by the the, uh, the sliding glass door. He was filthy. He was covered. I looked at him and I'm like, well, he's not coming inside. <laughs> and so I just stepped out and I grabbed a hose. I said, all the way down to your underwear, son. So he went all the way down and I hosed him down. And then after we hosed him down, his mama let him in, gave him a towel, toweled him off. He he got some got some clean clothes on, came, sat down with us and had dinner. Listen, when I saw that dirty child out there, I didn't go, that's not my child. <laughs> and he's never coming in here. You sleep outside tonight, you're not coming in. I didn't do that. I just simply cleaned him off. He was dirty, he got cleaned. Listen, when you come to God and you've messed up, he doesn't look at you and go, that's not my child. That's not my child. That's not my daughter. That's not my son. What he does is he just simply cleans you off of all the unrighteousness and the blood of Jesus is able to do that. So you come back clean, sits at the table and we can come boldly to the throne of grace and obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Forgive Receive forgiveness from the Lord. And listen, don't wait for your feelings to catch up. Just go ahead and take it. Say, Lord, I thank you. I'll feel it later, but I believe you. This is when our faith needs to override our feelings. And we go, thank you for your forgiveness, Lord. Now, here's the, here's the one, and this is important too. Forgive yourself. Once you've received the Lord's forgiveness, forgive yourself. Because some people have had that guilt of what they've done. And like I said, the enemy will use that and he will work that and he will keep you in bondage if you do not do this. So he said, well, what, what do you mean forgive yourself? If the Lord's forgiven you, then forgive yourself and keep moving. Don't stop. Don't be a slave to it. Cooper and Chelsea were identical twins. They went out to stay with their grandma and grandpa out on the farm. They had a beautiful little farm. They had chickens and ducks and goats and four-wheelers, and it was just a great place to spend the summer. And they're out there, and Grandpa bought Cooper a, uh, one of those really powerful slingshots, the kind that, you know, that kind of braces on your wrist. So Cooper's out there shooting everything, bottles and stuff, and got tired of shooting things that didn't move. And he, he saw his grandmother's duck, pet, favorite pet duck, way off in the distance. 
He thought, man, there's no way I can hit him. I'm going to give it a shot. He let that rock go. Perfect shot. Hit the duck right in the head. The duck falls over. He runs up hoping the brain is unconscious. No, he was not unconscious. It was a dead duck. And he panics. He's like, oh, my gosh. So he picks the duck up. He puts the duck in the woodpile. He covered it up in the woodpile. And he goes up to the house, and he think, he's thinking he's good. And Chelsea, his sister, is standing on the steps. <laughs> and she said, I saw what you did. <laughs> Cooper's like, oh, great. So they go inside. They have, they have a meal. And after the meal, Grandma says to Chelsea, Chelsea, honey, will you help me with the, uh, with the dishes? And Chelsea said, oh, no, Grandma. Cooper said he wanted to do the dishes. <laughs> Cooper said, I did not. And she said, remember the duck. Cooper's like, yes, I want to help with the dishes. <laughs> Next morning, Grandpa says to Cooper, hey, Cooper, let's go down to the pond. Let's do a little fishing before breakfast while Chelsea helps Grandma with breakfast. And Chelsea spoke up. She said, no, Cooper said he wanted to help Grandma with breakfast and that I could go fishing. And Cooper's like, no, I didn't. And Chelsea's like, the duck. <laughs> so for two days, every time Cooper wanted to do something, Chelsea was, was smirking at him going, the duck. Finally, Cooper is done, man. He has had enough. He goes over. He falls on Grandma's. On, he falls just on her shoulder. He starts to weep. He said, Grandma, I'm so sorry. I had to sleep shot. I saw your duck. I didn't mean to shoot the duck, but I pulled it wrong. The duck, duck, the duck died. And, then, and she said, I hit the duck in the woodpile. And Grandma said, I know, baby. <laughs> he said, you know. She said, yeah, sweetheart. She said, I was standing right there at the kitchen window when I watched you shoot the duck. She said, I forgave you that moment because I love you. She said, I was just waiting to see how long you would let Chelsea make you her slave. <laughs> now, here's, that, here's the point. How long are you going to let guilt make you its slave? How long are you going to let what you have done that God has already forgiven you for continue to dominate your life? This is where you're going to have to just forgive yourself and go on. Receive God's forgiveness and forgive yourself. Don't be a slave to guilt. Don't let regret dominate your life. Remember the duck and don't do that. Here's the third one. Here's our last point today. Extend forgiveness to others. Oh, this is where it gets fun. Everyone thinks forgiveness is a lovely idea until we have to forgive somebody. But forgiveness is something we do because we are forgiven people. We're people of, God gave us another chance. We give other people another chance. Forgiveness says, I'm going to forego my right to hurt you for hurting me. In Ephesians, it says this, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another even as God in Christ forgave you. So when people do things to hurt us, say, who do we forgive? Do I forgive people that come up and ask me for forgiveness? Yep. Do I forgive the people that don't ask for forgiveness? Yeah. You forgive them all. Because here's the difference. We've got to protect our heart. And our heart needs to stay tender. And we can't get hard and bitter and allow resentment to come in. So, so we forgive. Now, I'm going to say this, and please listen to me. There's a big difference between forgiveness and trust. Trust is earned. Forgiveness is a gift. It's given. Because I've heard people say, Helen, I can't forgive them because I can't let them back in my life. They hurt my family. They did all these things. No, no, no. You can forgive them, but you don't have to let them back in your life. Trust is earned. 
There is a difference there. And so it's understandable. Because this, is, this has held people back from forgiving. Because they feel like, okay, the relationship has to be restored and they were horrible and they were abusive. No, 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 no. I can forgive them because I'm not going to hold it against them, but I'm not going to let them back in my life if I don't trust them. So there are people I've forgiven and do not trust as far as I could throw them, but I've forgiven them. Does that make sense? Here's the last thing. Because I, listen, all of us deal with this. You ever forgiven somebody? And the thoughts keep coming. Or you hear their name and something goes. <laughs> Someone brings them up in conversation and you just. You know, I'm the, oh, really? I'm the only one. OK, OK. Let's, <laughs> no, I mean, even though this is a reality. This is where we live. I'll give you a story. I'm going to close with this. You'll give me just a little a few more minutes. It really helped me. It's Corrie ten Boom. She was in a concentration camp, but. This was after she'd gotten out of her concentration camp after World War II. And she had someone that did something to her. It was so egregious that even though she said she forgave them, man, she said for two weeks it kept her up at night. As she's running back over in her mind what had been done to her. And she finally cried out to the Lord. She said, Lord, you got to help me. I don't know how to deal with this. And uh, she talked to a real sweet Lutheran pastor. And she was sitting in his office. He pointed to a church bell tower out his window. He said, there's a big bell in that tower. He said, and the way, you, the way you ring it is you have to pull the rope. He said, so you pull the rope. Ding, dong, ding, dong. He said, but when you let go of the rope, there's still some momentum there. And that, that bell keeps ringing. Ding, dong, ding. Dong, ding, till it stops. He said, when you forgive someone, it's like letting go of the rope. He said, but if you've been tugging on those thoughts and those angry thoughts for a while, it's going to take a little bit for those angry thoughts to subside. You hear their name, ding. A thought comes, dong. But if you'll just continue to forgive, then the force behind that is gone. And you can begin to say, Lord, I, I forgive them. What you're going to find is, soon those angry thoughts just stop. We can do this. We're forgiven people. We can forgive others. And then soon the angry thoughts, she said, Corrie Boom said, she had a couple more nights like that. But after a while, the angry thoughts just weren't there anymore. Some of you can think right now, the people you've forgiven over the years, you haven't thought about them in a long time. And you trust that God has helped you. He can help us. This is an area, because you hear people say, I just can't forgive. Yes, you can. We can forgive by faith. And then every time they come to mind, we say, Lord, bless them. That's the best way to do it. Lord, help them. Lord, bless them. Lord, you deal with them. And we're done. We are forgiven people. The greatest forgiveness in the world was given to us. We can extend that to others. Would you bow your head for a moment? If you came this morning and you're watching online and you say, you know what, Alan, I, I don't know that I've ever received the forgiveness for my sins that's in Jesus Christ, but I want to. Or maybe you're saying, I, man, I used to have a relationship with the Lord, but for some reason I've just gotten so far away. Maybe you got crosswise at him. I've gotten away from the Lord. And you realize today, man, I don't want to stay that way. 
I want him in my life. No one loves me more. No one will be better to me. So it's heads are bowed and eyes are closed. We're going we're gonna to say a prayer. We're not going to have you stand up. not going to have you come to the front. We don't do that. But I am going to ask you to do one thing. Obviously, if you're online, I can't see this, but if you're here and you say, Alan, I, I want to make sure I have a relationship with the Lord or I want to come back to him. Would you pray for me? Shoot your hand up just real quick, just across this auditorium. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray. Maybe you didn't lift your hand. You wanted to. Obviously, if you're online, I can't see you. But if you're sitting in your heart going, man, I want to be right with the Lord or I, I, I want to come back to him. And you can pray this prayer. This prayer is for you. We're going to pray it with you as a church family. If you're watching online, you're by yourself, pray it out loud. If you're with others, pray it quietly. Church family, we're going to pray it with all of them. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Those heads are still bowed just for a moment. Heavenly Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer, for those who stepped out of darkness into light, for those who've come back home, back to the family. You welcome them with open arms, as do we. And Lord, I thank you for everyone here who's been under the burden of guilt and just feeling like they could never advance as a Christian. But they can because you forgive them. You have a plan for them. There's still unlimited possibilities with you. And Father, for anyone who's entertaining the idea of suicide or taking their own life, Lord, thank you that that's not your best for them. That's not your plan for them. And there is a resurrection and there is hope. And things don't have to end this way. Thank you for that. Lord, we give you all the praise for your goodness, for your grace, for what Jesus did for us. That's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message has blessed you. Don't forget to check us out on all the social platforms. We're uploading encouraging content on a regular basis. For more information, go to thearcchurch.com. Have a great week.